want to invite you to take your Bible. Let's turn together to Luke chapter 19. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and 19, verses 1 through 10, as we continue our blessed series. Remember that the blessed series is the d- designed to equip us with everyday ways that we can love our neighbors. That's the purpose of the blessed series that we use that acronym BLESS for. This is what we know. We know it by what's within us, by our own experience. It is really, really easy for us as the church to get caught up in ourselves and become concerned solely with what happens inside these four walls. We've been there. We go there. That's our default. That's our natural tendency. Our theme for 2022 is Pursue 22 for a purpose, to help a mindset to be reminded that we are called to go. We are sent as Jesus was sent, and we are encouraged to make friends, build relationships, love our neighbors with those around us, and pursue them in a relationship wherever we live, where we work, and where we play, all for the sake of hopefully being a good witness to allow them to see and sense the love of Jesus through us. This is our one mission. We call it the Great Commission. Amen? The blessed practices that we're drawing from that word blessed, that acronym uh, that I'm introducing to you are meant to flow through the rhythm of your everyday life. They are not meant to be a checklist that we go through B and L and E and S and S. It's not a program and it's not a project for us to complete. It's not a one and done. Rather, these practices represent our attitude, a lifestyle that is a blessing to others. I pray that when my days on earth are done, that one thing that might could be said about this old frail preacher is he was a blessing to those around him. Maybe a breath of fresh air maybe one who stood on the truth of God's Word. And so, where we've been in the last two weeks is the beginning of the blessed series. Begin with prayer. We've challenged ourselves to look around us as we go through everyday life, where we live, where we work, where we play, and identify people that God puts on our hearts to know them by name and to begin to pray for them very intentionally. Last week, we talked about building that relationship with another step of not only knowing them by name and praying for them, but engage and begin to listen to them and learn who they are, hear their heart, hear their story. It's all about building relationships. Now, this is one that gets every Baptist attention. Eat a meal. The E in bless is eat a meal. Invite them to come and join you at the table. We know this, something special happens when you just pull up around a table. And when you begin to interact with one another, walls come down and life conversations come out. And so really what we're trying to do is just learn how to be what Jesus has called us to be. 
those who love him with our whole heart and then love our neighbors as we love ourselves and be a good neighbor to them by sharing the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Much of Jesus' ministry, when you read the gospel narratives, happens around conversations at a table or at a meal. Just in Luke's gospel narrative alone, there are 10 occasions of Jesus dining and talking with people. He understood that stepping into that personal environment. He understood making the walls, the barriers of the culture to come down. He understood saying, hey, you're important enough to me to capture my attention and for me to invest my time and share life with you. He made those around him feel included and valued and important. Eating together in Jesus' culture sent a message. I accept these people. Not their sin, but I accept them. They are my friends. It was an affirmation of their value, of their dignity, and of their worth. One thing the enemy is good at doing today is lying to us, sinners though we are, about our value and our dignity and our worth. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, made in the image of our God, and we are of great value to him. In Jesus' time, who you ate with indicated who you loved and you considered to be part of your people, those that you did not mind being seen with in public. Now, Jesus' lifestyle was counterculture in his day. He was criticized greatly. And our text is one of those areas to where he's criticized. It is a familiar story to those of us who grew up in at least a Baptist church, grew up going to Bible school, because the story about Zacchaeus is one that we have heard. And we probably sang the song about Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the what? Sycamore tree. For the Lord he wanted to see. Someone asked me this morning when I was getting my early cup of coffee, so what you preaching on today? I said, Zacchaeus, have you ever heard the story? And I said, maybe you've heard the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I didn't sing it, I just stated it. <laughs> the familiar story of Zacchaeus appearing only in Luke's gospel narrative is an intriguing story, and it has a captivating conclusion, verse 10 of chapter 19. You want to know why Jesus came? He tells us. You don't have to guess. You don't have to make it up. He came to seek and to save the lost. And all of us can say, thank you, dear Jesus. If you're able to stand in the East Venue here in the Worship Center, let's honor the reading of God's Word. We want to welcome those that join us online, and we appreciate you joining us today as we lean in to the blessed series but see what jesus does in that personal environment of going into someone's home chapter 19 luke's gospel verse 1 then jesus entered and passed through jericho now behold there was a man named zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich and he sought to see who jesus was but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. My kind of guy. <laughs> Verse 4. 
So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, saw Zacchaeus, and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and he came down and he received him. Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord in his home, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for the hope that the narrative of Zacchaeus gives us and for the challenge that comes to take initiative like our Savior did and invite others into conversations to share your love and the power of the gospel with them in person. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. As Dr. Luke records the narrative of Zacchaeus in chapter 19, please don't miss that it is really closely connected to another story he told us in Luke chapter 18 about the rich young ruler when he approached Jesus about how to come to know him, how to follow him, and Jesus stated that you need to go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor because that was standing in the way of him trusting the Lord Jesus. And we see in that narrative, he bowed his head, he walked away, and he, he was discouraged. He did not receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And it prompted Jesus to make a statement to his followers. In Luke 18 and verse 24, he said, I want you to know it is difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. To which his disciples said, then who can be saved? Because their mindset is kind of those who are wealthy and rich in our culture have been blessed by God. And if they can't get in, then who in the world can be saved? And Jesus just said in verse 27 of chapter 18, what is possible with man, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Hang on to that. Here's the good news. Not every rich person walked away dejected from the Lord Jesus Christ. There is one in chapter 19, Zacchaeus, is an example of what is possible with God even though he was rich and had it made. Dr. Luke introduces chapter 19. He spent several chapters showing Jesus traveling from one city to another. He enters finally into Jericho. Jericho is the last major city that Jesus will go into prior to his entry into Jerusalem. He has said that when I go to Jerusalem, you need to understand I will be betrayed. I will be beaten. I will be mocked. I will be crucified, but on the third day, I will rise again. 
And so now Jesus comes to Jericho for a divine appointment. And I want us to unpack verses 1 through 10 as we do. If you have your sermon notes pulled up on the app or either in print, this is number one, a personal invite that led to a spiritual conversation. We see the narrative unfold and you see Jesus make a personal invite And that personal invite led to a spiritual conversation. There is power in an invitation. An invitation is personal. An invitation draws us in. An invitation speaks value. I want you to come and go with me. I would love to sit down and have a meal with you. It's personal, it's powerful, and it was to Zacchaeus. It's interesting, Zacchaeus was a sinner, and I believe he was seeking a Savior, even though he did not know he was seeking a Savior. He was curious. He was wanting to know more about this Jesus. It's interesting that his name actually meant righteous one. But at this time in his life, he was not living up to his name. He was the unrighteous one. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, according to Dr. Luke. In South Alabama, we'd say he was filthy rich. From a tax-collecting perspective, Zacchaeus had made it to the top. Taxes were collected at three places inland, Capernaum, Jericho, and Jerusalem. And he was, had one of the big three. He was the kingpin in Jericho, the chief tax collector, most likely had other tax collectors working under him. And tax collectors did not have a good reputation. In fact, one commentator put it this way about Zacchaeus. He was the kingpin of the Jericho tax cartel. Zacchaeus was a scandalous sinner. He was filthy rich. And he was despised by most of those in Jericho. Now, that's not a good place to be, is it? But because of how he got rich, that's why people didn't like him. He swindled, he cheated, he skimmed off the top. And by the way, he's a traitor because he has partnered with our enemy, with Rome. He was not the kind of guy you're going to expect to be in heaven with. Some people, you know, I'm just going to be in heaven with you forever and ever. Some people, you say, "Mm, I sure hope I'm in heaven with you forever and ever. But there are some people who say, there is no way on earth that you will make it to heaven. Zacchaeus is that, that guy. Nobody suspected that he would be born again and be in heaven with them. He was just not that kind of guy. But Dr. Luke tells us, look at verse 3. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. There's always good news for those who are seeking to see who Jesus is. Why? I don't know why, but perhaps he heard about another tax collector named Levi. We know him as Matthew, to whom Jesus said, Come, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. I think tax collectors probably knew what was going on with one another. Perhaps the Zacchaeus knew Levi, Matthew as we know him, and perhaps he saw a difference in how he lived out his life after he became a follower of Christ. We don't know for sure, but perhaps he knew Levi. Perhaps he saw the change that is in there. 
Or perhaps Zacchaeus just found out that I have made it to the top of my corporation. I am at the top. I have all the money I could ever want, yet something is still missing. Perhaps he was at the top and a wealthy man and something was still missing. Never been there, ever known anybody to get there? There are not enough riches in the world to satisfy your heart's longing for a Savior. And Zacchaeus may have been empty inside, tired of his sad life, restless. I believe maybe Zacchaeus was tired of being an enemy. How would you like to wake up every day and when you walk out the door, people despised you? People were critical of you. People did not like to see you coming because they really knew you were a cheater and you were a thief and you took advantage of them and that's how you made your living. Whatever the reason, this we know, he was a small man who was seeking to know more about Jesus. Verse 3, but on account of the crowd, he could not see Jesus because he was small in stature. Jesus was coming that way. Jesus had a reputation to be a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Zacchaeus wanted to see this guy that all the hype was about. But because he was short, and I can identify, he could not see him in the crowd. So he had to get creative. Have you ever been a short person in a crowd before? I mean, when the armpit is all you get... And you can't see much else? Zacchaeus was there. How about being a hated short person in a crowd? Do you think any elbows fly? Oh, sorry about that. Any feet stomped on his feet? I bet he is abused in a crowd. So Zacchaeus is creative. Short or not, he had legs and he used them. Verse 4, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, to see Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. He ran as fast as those little legs could take him. He got out in front of the crowd, and he climbed a sycamore tree. Now, it's kind of unusual in his culture for a grown man of his status to run. So, that was a little bit unusual. It was frowned upon. How much more would it be for a man of his stature in, the, in, in his culture to climb up a tree? That's kids' activity. But he wanted to see Jesus so bad, he wanted to run ahead and climb a tree so that when Jesus got there, he could see him. Zacchaeus did what anyone who would do is curious about Jesus. Got in a position so that they could get a better look. You know, sometimes there are people who come to church prodding and probing for some of those around them maybe. Maybe a spouse, maybe a friend, maybe a co-worker. Maybe you attach online so that it's a little safer there, but, but you're tuning in because you're curious about this Jesus. Can he love somebody like me? Can he help me in my circumstances? Is there any hope for me? Zacchaeus was curious, so he got himself in a position so he could see Jesus better. That's a good start, right? The way he did this was unusual, but nevertheless, he did it. Zacchaeus was a sinner seeking a Savior, even though he might not have understood that. But here's the narrative of the story. There was a Savior who was seeking a sinner named Zacchaeus. As it turned out, Jesus wanted to see 
him as well. It is no coincidence that they ended up right up under the sycamore tree that Zacchaeus was sitting in. And when Jesus stopped right at that sycamore tree, says he came to the place. He, Jesus, looked up and he said to him as he saw Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. He stopped, he looked up, he saw, and he called him by name. Something happens when someone looks at you and calls you by name, right? I don't know how Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name, but he did. I don't know how he knew Zacchaeus was up a tree trying to get a better look at him, but he did. And that is the indicator of our compassionate Savior. He understands. He knows. And he stopped. The man despised by everybody probably in the crowd. And he looked at him and he added value to him by speaking to him. But he spoke his name. Not only did he speak his name, but he says, I want you to hurry up and come down for I must go to your house today. The song we learned in Bible school continues. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And you can help me with this. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. That's the ultimate divine appointment. First, the Lord stopped. Then he looked, made eye contact, called him by name, and commanded him to come down. Those verbs that are there, hurry or make haste and come down, they're imperatives in the Greek. It's a command. And they call for immediate action. That word must, day in the Greek, is a particle that talks about divine necessity. It is necessary that you come down and I go to your house today. You know why? For today is the day of salvation for Zacchaeus. Today was the day for a spiritual conversation that would lead to a personal salvation. That's number two on your notes. Not only was there a personal invite that led to a spiritual conversation, but now we see a spiritual conversation in the home that leads to a personal salvation. The reason that we want to engage people is to build relationships. We need to know our neighbors and we need to know them by name, and we need to value them in order to, to learn more about them. It's relationship. It's not a program. It's not a project. It is a relationship with people that the Lord Jesus values, and he has us planted right here on earth where we live for this time and this season for the purpose of loving our neighbors in his name and pointing them to him. He sets the example. He took the initiative. He invited. And now we see two contrasting responses to Jesus, and I'm going to reverse them the way they are. First of all, I want to talk about the crowd that grumbled. When they saw that Jesus was going to stay with Zacchaeus, when they watched Zacchaeus come down out of that tree, I just imagine that little man probably did a swing coming off that lower branch said, make room, boys, here I come. And as they resented him walking with Jesus and knew that Jesus was going to his home, there was grumbling. Sounds like Baptist, doesn't it? There was grumbling within them. He's going to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. 
The verb grumble is pretty strong. It's a crowd's intense disapproval of the Lord's action, not only of speaking to Zacchaeus, but staying the night with him, being a guest in his home, letting his guard down, living life together, having conversation together. No self-respecting Jew would ever pollute himself with a sinner like that, much less a prophet. That, however, meant nothing to Jesus because this is what he was looking at, a sinner's heart who was crying out for a Savior to save. He saw something in him. He didn't care what the crowd was going to say. He didn't care if it was kosher or not. Jesus was going to engage this little man who was looking for more in life, who had swindled people and cheated people and was despised by people, but who was asking questions about if Jesus could help him. And he got his answer, didn't he? The crowd mumbled and they grumbled. They didn't like it. Here's what they failed to understand. And this is what sometimes we good church people fail to understand. Salvation is for sinners, of which we are. It is for outsiders and outcasts, swindlers and cheats. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. That includes you and me. It included tax collectors and sinners, the sinful women, prodigal sons, poor men like Lazarus, Samaritans, those who were dependent like little children, and those who were blind. But on this day, it's identified as today is Zacchaeus' day to be born again. Now, Zacchaeus' response was totally opposite. He didn't grumble. Oh, Jesus just called me by name. He just invited himself over to my house. He's coming in. This would have been probably the first time any honorable, ceremonial, clean, and respected person ever set foot in Zacchaeus' house. No small deal. Because he was unclean. He was a sinner. He was an outcast. He was despised. The faith of Zacchaeus is evident from the way that he received Jesus. When Jesus stopped and called him by name, he practically fell out of the tree to get to him. But then he gave Jesus that glad welcome of faith, embracing him with great joy. Dr. Luke says he received him joyfully. Zacchaeus wanted to see for himself to investigate the claims of Christ. I heard about Levi, maybe, about Matthew. Could that be true for me? Maybe I've heard the things that he's done. I just wanted to get up close with this guy and see who he is and what he's about. Zacchaeus didn't have to look long before he realized Jesus was the real deal. And he came out of that tree, and he walked with Jesus side by side, and he allowed him in. What about us this morning? What about you online this morning? Have you positioned yourself today to get a better look at Jesus? There may be somebody in the worship center in the East Venue that is positioned today just trying to get a better look at this person we talk about a whole lot named Jesus and asking the question, can he love me? Can he forgive me? Will he accept me? Will he add meaning and purpose and peace in my life? I encourage you, if you're asking those questions, don't delay. You might be in the tree looking to see Jesus It's time to come out of the tree and surrender your life to him and let him make that difference in your life. 
During that time in Zacchaeus' house, we don't know exactly how it played out, but this we see there's some actions of repentance that are very, very clear. Half my goods I give to the poor. Now, he's filthy rich, and 50% of what he had was a whole lot. He impacted his community with his gift to the poor. It went far beyond the normal requirement of 20% of an income. Not only did he say that, but at at the 50% he had left, he said, out of that, if I have wronged anyone, if I have wrongfully taken for them, I am going to restore to them fourfold. Zacchaeus had cheated many people. Now he is literally placing his entire fortune in jeopardy to be obedient. In fact, he lived out the one command that earlier caused the rich young ruler much grief. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, Jesus does not require that of us to come to him for salvation, but to some who had a problem with wealth and riches and that was their God. He called them out on that. You're going to have to surrender in order to come to me. And Zacchaeus did. And Jesus said today, Zacchaeus today, Salvation has come to you, this house. I want to ask a question. Has salvation come to your house? Have you heard Jesus call you by name and ask you to come, surrender all that you are and all that you have to him and be born again? Number three on your notes. This narrative reminds us of a gospel mission that leads others to Jesus. Jesus came to seek and save that was that which was lost. Jesus said elsewhere, he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Followers of Christ, the Great Commission says, go therefore, that is to each of us and collectively for us as the church, go therefore and make disciples. Here's what I can promise you, we cannot make disciples outside of personal relationships. And those personal relationships are good inside, but they have to be healthy outside the four walls of the church. In our community, as we go, wherever we go to meet people, Jesus told us clearly his mission. And he demonstrated that spiritual conversation that led to a personal salvation of the man Zacchaeus. Since Jesus is the compassionate Savior who came to save sinners, then Who better to save than a sinner like Zacchaeus? You get the message that he sent? There is no one beyond the limits of the grace of God and the forgiveness of Jesus through his shed blood. If God can save Zacchaeus, he can save you. We all could stand before people and say, if God could save this sinner, I can promise you he could save you. And so Zacchaeus is that living example that that compassionate Savior found him. If Jesus came seeking to save Zacchaeus, then he's willing and able to save any lost sinner. No one is a hopeless case. Even in your repeated sin, even when you've promised God, I won't do it again, if you just save me this time, you are not a helpless case. Jesus Christ has come to save even the most desperate sinners like me and like you. No one in Jericho thought that Zacchaeus had much interest in spiritual things. 
If they were having a blessed series in Jericho and they say, we want you to bless your neighbor and we want you to build relationships with them, I can promise you there's probably no one that is going to say, I want to get up close to this little guy named Zacchaeus and I want to invite him to my house for dinner. But in fact, Zacchaeus was asking the right questions internally and if Jesus hadn't come to his house, he may have ended up lost. Like Zacchaeus, some of the people we know in our community have an interest in spiritual things. If we talk to them about Jesus and our relationship with him, chances are they're going to listen. If we invite them for a meal, particularly if we buy, or if it's at our house, chances are they're going to go. If we invite them to church, chances are they'll try to come. Do you know 83% people say that they came to church for the first time because of a personal invitation from a family member or friend? Are you going to be that family member or friend? Some are looking for Jesus. Here's the question. Are we going to help them see him and find him? Our mission is to make disciples as messengers who go boldly and guides who are showing the way as we live out our life. I ask you to do three things this week and just ponder these and pray over them. We've been asking all year, identify. Identify people in our path, in our rhythm of life, by name, whom we can pray for. Some of you have done that. And we're praying for over 500 people by name that they may have questions answered by you and by me. And they may come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Secondly, we got to keep leaning in, keep pushing ourselves out of the four walls, out of our comfort zone, not only identify, but now it's time to invite. Invite them into that personal environment of personal conversation. One of the easiest ways to do that is to invite them to a meal, invite them to a cup of coffee. It may be if you're a young family with kids and, and the splash pad is open and the playground is open, you might say, hey, let's get our kids together and, and, and let's uh, talk while they play. It, it might be that you bring your snack and, and you talk as the kids are playing. It, it might be as simple as we need to get together sometime. But it starts with initiative and a conversation. You want to grab coffee this week? want to get together for tea this week so what would it look like in your week if you isolate one meal out of 21 one meal out of 21 for an invitation say hey i'd love to just sit down over a meal and get to know you please hear my heart don't do this to check a religious checklist don't do this to be mechanical and come back and say, I did it. Do this because you really care about that person on the other side. Do this because you really do want to get to know them. Do this because you really care about their eternity and know that if they die without Christ as their Savior, they're going to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. So what would it look like this week for the people you're praying for by name to isolate one and say, I want to get to know you this week. Then, number three, invest. Identify, 
Invite, invest. Invest in that opportunity by listening more than you speak. You want to get to know them. You want to understand their heart. You want to know better how to pray for them. You want to know better how to be a friend for them. So once you have invited them in whatever that personal environment might look like this week, bless them by listening. And I just encourage you to have a prayer for them and with them before you leave. What, what would our community begin to look like and feel like if we took seriously that we've been blessed by the gospel and by a compassionate Savior and in turn, we want to be obedient and be a blessing to the people around us. It's not a project. It's about building relationships. Bless is not about a presentation, but it's all about conversation. Identify, invite, invest, and see what our compassionate Savior would do in you and through you and in them. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you'd help us think beyond ourselves, which if we're honest, we're challenged to take time daily just to do that. But Father, by your Spirit, I pray that you will put a burden on our heart for people in our path. Some we know by name, others we may not yet know by name. But, Father, give us a burden to pray for our community and put names on community. Father, give us conviction and give us a burden and give us courage of your Holy Spirit who abides within us to engage in conversation, to invite them to an opportunity to bless them. Give us ears to hear. Give us courage and boldness of speech. And Father, we pray that as a result of the obedience of your children, that we pray that they will be sinners like Zacchaeus, who find a compassionate Savior, who gives them a new beginning and gives them peace with God and gives them purpose in life. That that void that they're living with and that guilt that they're trying to carry away, carry around is gone. And Father, I know of no greater joy on earth than to experience you working in and through me to share the truth of your word and the gospel to others and them get it. So I pray that you will grow the joy of your salvation in the life of Liberty Baptist as a result of our obedience in the Great Commission and conversations that are spiritual. And that we'll see fruit of the harvest. Not so we can pat ourselves on the back, but Father, so we can exalt and brag upon a compassionate Savior. Father, the fields are white, but the laborers are few. In this day, today, 
I pray that at Liberty Baptist Church, those online, those in the East Venue, and those who are right here in the worship center, that we'll make a commitment to you to walk in obedience, being intentional this week, to identify and invite and invest in the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.